very beginning, even before you sit down for your formal meditation, <coughs> try to bring to your mind not only your motivation, but also try to have a clear picture in your mind of the state of meditation itself. Think of the characteristics, the qualities that should be present in that state of mind that is called meditative state. The tranquility, the calmness, the one-pointedness of mind, the overwhelming sense of joy, and the other qualities. And as you think of them, try to see if you can detect the presence of anything that is close to any of these qualities. And as soon as you're aware of any one of them, sort of align yourself with them, with that, and try to keep your mind, try to keep your attention or your, some part of you connected to it, while the rest of the meditation or the rest of the exercise is searching for the other qualities while you are enhancing the one that you have made the initial contact with. So when you are about to sit down, to take your posture, make sure that the posture will in some way align you or connect you with some of those or one of those characteristics. Have this in your mind as you bring yourself to the proper meditation posture. Almost as if on your own you're going to discover why the points in the posture are recommended by the masters of meditation from the past. Why do they ask you for the posture to be attentive? Why do they ask you to have your hands and your legs in a certain way? So if you just have those ideas in your mind, you want to connect with meditation and those qualities of, that are present in meditation, and you hold strongly to your, the reason why you're going to enter meditation, then if you just let things happen, then you will discover what is the advantage of having your legs crossed or having the legs stable, relaxed. Why should you have the hands arranged the way you arrange them, especially the back and the rest of the posture, your neck, head, all the way to your <coughs> eyes. So as you scan the posture, making adjustments, what you're looking for is anything any adjustments in the posture that connects you to any of the qualities or any of the characteristics that should be present in meditation? <coughs> Are you in connection with a sense of ease in the body itself? Is there a sense of stability in the body itself? And go from legs to hands, shoulders, 
arms, elbows, the back, the head and neck, the mouth, teeth, tongue, the eyes. So you move from one part of the body to the next, not just for the sake of feeling your arms, feeling your legs, but being aware of the presence of any one of those characteristics that should be present within the state of meditation. <coughs> and once you become aware of that, then you move on to the other part of the body. And you will discover once you've reached the top of your head or once you've scanned the entire body, you will find yourself somewhat connected with a sense of ease, a sense of joy, which is the pleasant sensation in the body, a sense of stability, a sense of one-pointedness. So keep your mind aligned just by continually remembering these qualities these characteristics and sort of leave them somewhere in the background of your mind, leaving the, the free sense of mindfulness to look at them, to observe their progress. Are they intensifying? Are they diminishing? And when a certain thought comes up, and you are aware of it, a certain kind of a weather, <clears throat> and keeping your eye slightly on those characteristics will tell you directly through your own experience, oh, such and such a thought diminishes the sense of tranquility. Such and such a thought enhances the sense of tranquility. And when you directly see that, then you won't have to fight to keep those kinds of thoughts out of your mind. And aligning yourself with the sense of ease, for example, it will enhance the sense of ease. So leaving these somewhere in the background of your mindfulness, now you bring your attention, recalling your motivation. Try to have your motivation in two parts. Your immediate goal could be the goal in terms of until such and such is realized, or the goal could be circumscribed by time, okay, for one week, or for a month, for a year, and then the ultimate goal, that once you reached, there's no need for you to enter or try to meditate anymore, you will have achieved the reason why you're engaging in meditation. So have those through motivation in your mind and let them be clear, let them be strong, fill them with your passion, 
fill them with strong determination. Let the energy of that determination, let it fill your whole being, that you even feel this determination physically. And bringing now the determination into the equation, all those characteristics that you may have been aware of before, bringing in the determination should either stabilize them or further enhance them. It should not be that they are deteriorated. If there is a deterioration of any of those characteristics, then you have to go back to the point where you became aware of them and then proceed slowly. Perhaps you caught a particular kind of thinking that disturbed those characteristics without knowing it. To feel the passion, the energy of your determination. What are you going to do now? Why? And what is the ultimate purpose? You don't have to have any definite clear images or any clear senses appearing before you, but just have a sense of you're in the presence of your infallible guide. The definite means through which you will, without a doubt, achieve the, your objective your immediate and ultimate. The one, depending on him or her or it, without a doubt, you will achieve your goal. You may have met, you may have encountered this infallible guide already. You may not have in encountered this infallible guide already. That is, in some definite form that you can relate with, that you can have a relationship with. It doesn't matter which one, but whoever, whatever, make, bring yourself into connection with it. Feel yourself connecting 
and think of this presence, feel this presence in front of you at the level of your eyebrows. Try to connect with this presence, with the goals that you are seeking. And this is something new that you just brought in. And this new phenomena that you just brought in, what is it doing to the sense of, to the other, to the characteristics, to the characters, characteristics that you became aware of? The sense of ease, the tranquility, the sense of joy. Relate with this presence. Express your reverence, your gratitude. Entrust yourself, take refuge. Seek protection, guidance. Align yourself with the kinds of thoughts, the kinds of emotions that will deliberately enhance the characteristics that are present in meditation, that you always, some of them that you are already connected with, and also at the same time, they will subdue those that act against the characteristics elements that should be present in the meditative state. So bring in a strong determination to not engaged in the kind of thinking, the kind of speaking, the kind of activities that strengthen your obstacles. And think of a particular 
affliction that you may be familiar with that does that and to your capacity make that determination and the habits of thinking the habits of relating with others in how you speak how you communicate how you act that actually will connect you with the states of meditation, with the goal that you are ultimately seeking. Make a strong determination to take them up, to undertake them, and to strengthen this will, this determination. Express your devotion, your refuge, your reliance in your infallible guide. this momentum that we have gathered, let us give it as much power as we can by consciously bringing into mind an ultimate purpose, an ultimate motivation for the activity that we are engaging in. We can start by slowly thinking of others or trying to do the same or something similar and let our hearts embrace them with a genuine sense of compassion, a genuine sense of love and let this love <coughs> and compassion grow until it embraces anyone, anywhere is in some way seeking some, in some method, seeking a true sense of contentment.
power of this compassion, by the power of this love, we infuse our own motivation. So we are going to do this particular practice fueled by this love, fueled by this compassion. momentum brought up to its height as powerful as you can make it and feel it in the presence of your infallible guide in front of you and direct this momentum toward the, the, the meditation that you are now about to do bring that presence to the crown of your head and make strong wishes to succeed, strong wishes to be free of obstacles, feeling the momentum presence now inside your heart center so it can become inseparable with your mind. And whenever you're ready, bring that presence into your heart center through the crown of your head. And you can use just a sense, or you can visualize it as light entering your heart center.
balance that presence is in your heart center. Have a thought that it is now inseparable with your mind. And feel yourself aligned with this empowerment. You are now empowered to succeed with the meditation you're about to do. sense of tranquility so take a look at all the characteristics connected with meditative state that are now present now to the breath and through the awareness of the breath become aware of the body again the body of weight and substance
can make yourself comfortable, stretch a leg or <coughs> And of course, hello. <laughs> uh, right. Ah, okay. Usually, when you when someone says I'm going to meditate, uh, depending on what school of thought they're coming from, they have a different idea of what what they mean. But just like. Uh, well, especially nowadays, when you go to Starbucks and you say, I'm going to have coffee, no, you, you're, you, you, the person who hears that, you're sort of like in a vague space. There's a general idea of what the person, you, of what the person is talking about in your mind, coffee. There's a, there's, there's a bunch of things that share a characteristic that you can call them coffee, but when the person says, I'm going to have coffee, the person is then, is then just going to have... You know, if you just go to Starbucks and say, give me coffee, the person behind the counter is going to stare at you and, and, and <laughs> what do you want? What size do you want? What flavor do you want? What do you want in it? What do you not want in it? So meditation is like that also. There are, there are these uh, general characteristics that make something that someone is doing able to be named meditation. But you can't just say, I'm going to, there is really no such thing as a generic meditation. So, what I've been focusing on is the closest you can get to, to a generic meditation, okay? There's, there's always uh, something that is taking you to the meditative state. And once you get to the meditative <coughs> state, there's an activity that you are engaged in. And the activity depends on what kind of, what do you want with the meditation, okay? Uh, there's a particular, there are two, uh, <clears throat> two characteristics that will be present in the initial meditative state, the deep meditative state, where there is no doubt in your mind that you're now in some sort of different kind of consciousness. And all those things that we've mentioned before, they are starkly presence, present. There's no ambiguity about, is, am I, is my mind calm? There's no ambiguity about, is this bliss or not? There's no ambiguity about, is my mind focused or not? Okay? These, all these characteristics are present and you cannot deny their presence. Okay? Now you know you're in meditative state. But in the first time you, uh, and you can stay in the very first meditative state for the rest of your career as a meditator. There, there's something that happens to your thinking, the way you, the way you uh, formulate thought. Something happens to them in the first level. They become what, what um, uh, you may call, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's along the same family as verbal thinking. Once you reach the first level, verbal thinking is no longer there. But there is still something connected to thinking. Okay? So that's why some traditions, they say in this state of meditation, there's no thinking going on. What they're, what they're referring to is that verbal thinking is not happening because you left it behind. But 
there's something that you can do with verbal thinking that actually helps you get into meditative state until the verbal thinking becomes what some uh, very clever people have uh, defined as subverbal thinking. It feels like you're verbally thinking, but you cannot really, there isn't really, uh, there aren't words, so to speak, going, uh, uh, you're not grabbing at words, but there is, it is, verbal thinking is <coughs> what we are mostly familiar with, so what's going on, we still call it thinking, thoughts, okay? What the different traditions have done with this is that they've either completely incorporated into the whole process of the meditation, where you do not even, uh, it's not even pointed to you that it's going on. Within the tradition that uh, has been uh, inherited within the Tibetan, the, that the Tibetans have inherited, that's why in all the, almost all the meditations in, in, in that are in, in Tibetan, there's a lot of wording going on, okay? That's why they have, sadhan, they have, they have sadhanas. And if you're already familiar with them, if you notice, it's, it's a bunch of words that are describing the process that's going on, that's, that is supposed to be, that is supposed to be uh, present or that you're trying to invoke. Okay, now I see this, now I see that, and I'm thinking this, and I'm thinking that. And you're actually saying them. And you're giving a book where you're reading them. Okay? Uh, this way of leading you into meditation in different traditions have taken on almost their own kind of a separate meaning. Uh, the initial reason was to <coughs> bring you to meditative state. And because there's something in the first level of meditation that is very uh, uh, that is key, that is present, that is uh, uh, reminding you of this sort of verbal uh, thinking process. Uh, for example, within the uh, Tibetan tradition or tradition similar to the Tibetan tradition, this reason is completely uh, not even mentioned to the point where those practitioners, because they don't really know why they have to recite those things. They give the words a separate uh, reason for existing to the point where they think that somehow those words are holy in themselves. And the words are supposed to invoke the idea, the concept behind the words. And that's what's supposed to be the meditation. But instead, the person meditating make the words themselves into the meditation. Like, for example, the, the word may say, now nah, I'm seeing blue, and your mind is taking something completely, something completely different, either a different color or something completely not related with colors whatsoever. But you are saying, no, I'm saying, now nah, I'm seeing blue. Because as far as now, uh, the, the one who is now inheriting this sadhana, these words, this meditation, is concerned, it's th it's, there's something magical about the words. Okay? to the point where um, now you have the words being given to someone in a different language, a different culture, and the one who's receiving it makes that language into something holy. Oh, you have to say it in Tibetan, you have to say it in Sanskrit, you have to say it in Pali. Okay? And this is not only with, with, those, uh, uh, with those cultures, also within the Theravadan tradition, where even they are told, the reason you're saying the words <laughs> 
It's not because of the specialty of the words. And they don't really have like long lists of like, uh, uh, I mean, almost like a story that they're reciting as their practice. They would probably just recite just one word, for example. Okay, your, your, your means of getting into meditation is blue, the color blue. A means of making the color blue appear to you is to recite the word blue. And that's why you're reciting the word blue, because it invokes the concepts you have about blue so that blue can appeal to your mind. So the word blue itself has no has really no uh, other worth than just that. Now, because this was said in Pali, the one who's now uh, receiving this instruction doesn't speak Pali. So th they make Pali now into some sort of sacred thing. So whatever the word in Pali for blue becomes like some very sacred thing. And now the person is reciting whatever that word may be, blue, 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 but they, just, like the, just like someone who's inherited in the Tibetan thing, now see blue, their mind is, is somewhere else. Okay? Now, strangely enough, this has created, has made the words into a separate category of objects that lead you into meditative state. Okay? So instead of sort of following the, the, the I now see blue instead of and then you try to try to in some way see blue, but you're just saying the way I now I see blue and then your mind is thinking of something else. So the words themselves become a different object of meditation. And that's legitimate. You can recite an entire storyline in a completely different language because your intention is that by reciting these lines, by reciting these words, I'm going to be taken into meditative state. So a part of your mind is somewhat looking for the meditative state to appear while, you have, while you're reciting these things and not really paying attention to, what, to their meaning. Okay. So it, has, it's, it, it can, by some strange <laughs> luck, actually lead you into meditative state. But it will take a long time. And it's easier for your mind to be distracted when you're not focusing on the meaning of, of the words. Just like the one, the person just reciting that one word, blue, 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 or red, 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 red. If they're not uh, thinking of this is the word, you know, leading to that concept that I have of blue, and I'm trying to have the blue in, be invoked in my mind, then somehow, uh, uh, what, what's, okay, uh, the Tibetan, the, uh, I, the Tibetan ngombo, ngombo, okay, you're just going to say ngombo, 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 okay, and you have no idea what that means, so that sound, ngombo, somehow has a magical uh, significance for you, somehow this just sound is going to take you into the meditative state, so you keep reciting it, ngombo, 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 so now it's the sound itself, not the meaning of, of the sound, that's making taking you into a meditative state. Now, the somewhat magical thing that you may experience with something like that is that after a year or two of reciting this thing, not really paying attention to the meaning of it, and it's not just 
someone who's, who's re reciting something in a diff uh, that is uh, originally written in a different language. It could have been written in English, and you're only speaking person, but you're not paying attention to, to what you're reading, because it's just the sounds, as far as you're concerned, that's the, that's the magic, okay? So after a year or two, well, not really. After five years or so, and if you're consistent, okay, eventually that will become just, it's like uh, singing a lullaby to a baby. The baby doesn't have no idea what you're saying, but the sound somehow has the effect of taking the baby into sleep, okay? So in the same way, somehow the sound will take you into the meditative state. But you, in order for that to work, you have to be consistent. <coughs> Completely consistent. Okay? So if you were told, recite this every day, so you make sure you recite it every day. And even if you are reciting it and your mind is wandering, you are maintaining some, uh, some sort of a <coughs> connection with the, with the meditative state. And if you allow the other part of your mind that is just watching the mind what's happening, you may see it appear. You may see, for example, you may find yourself all of a sudden in touch with a sense of peace, a sense of tranquility, and even though you have no idea what the words are saying. I mean, you could be saying that the fire, now the fire is raging and destroying everything, but in your mind, somehow you connect with peace because you, know, you weren't thinking about the meaning of the, of the words, okay? So, it's not so much, uh, and I guess because of generations after generations of generations of practicing in this way, completely forgetting why the story was instituted as a means to get into meditation, so people now transmit superstitions and myth as to why these words. You have to pronounce them correctly, even though three generations later, they pronounce it completely different. But you keep, t you keep hearing, pronounce it correctly, or, you will, or, you, or it will not work. Okay? Uh, and because something happens, some sort of connection is made to the meditative state. So the myth, <coughs> I have to say the myth, sorry. <laughs> the myth about the special the, the specialness of these words, exactly the words. Don't even remove the comma, a comma. Okay, don't don't remove a syllable. Don't remove a letter. Exactly the way it is given to you, that's how it has to stay. Okay? So you try to have that state of mind. So it's actually what you're holding on to are not the words. It's the state of mind that you will get transmitted. This is holy. So, you, so you're holding on to the sense of this is holy. And that's really your object of meditation. That's taking you to a meditative state. And somehow your, your mind is looking or sort of like hovering around these words, looking for something other than the words. Okay? Something connected to meditative state. So that's really your what you are anchoring your mind on. Because <clears throat> the means of getting into meditative state is to anchor your mind on something. That's what is called as practicing or uh, training in one-pointedness. Take, take one thing, try to keep, and keep anchoring your mind on it. Okay. Now, 
You may run into trouble. It's a legitimate trouble also, problem. Le legitimate sense of being in trouble. When you start after five years of not really looking at the words, and then you really kind of want to, now you've started to get, uh, you want to take this more seriously, you want to go into the meaning of what you're reciting after all these years, because now you see that things are not getting really getting any better, your life is uh, not so great, and in, in the, uh, the horizon, it seems like, uh, you know, much worse things are, are about to come. So you want to take your practice a bit, bit more serious. So you want to look into the story that you've been reading. And when you look into the story that you've been reading, you realize that, wait a minute, I don't think, it seems like this is not connected to getting to one-pointedness. Because it's all scattered. You, one moment you're on a mountain, another moment you're, you know, you're on a river, another moment that you're, you're running, another moment you're standing still. I mean, how does this lead to one-pointedness? How does it lead to stillness? So, if you become troubled because of that, that's legitimate, okay? But remember, it's not so much uh, seeing all those different things, but it's holding a particular state of mind, anchoring your mind, anchoring yourself to a particular state of mind, and staying with that, okay? It's like... Uh, uh, you're, you're in a vehicle, in a car, a bus, uh, let's say a bus, bus, going to New Jersey. Okay, you have a destination, and on the way there, there's some potholes that you run into, there's some swerving, there's some stopping, there's noise, but eventually you will get to your destination if you stay in the bus. If you say, oh, there are too many potholes here, there's too many noise, I'm getting off this bus. There's no way you're going to get to your destination. Okay? So even though the, you're given a story, with so many different things involved in the story, stick with the story. Eventually, you will get to where the story wants you to get to. Okay. Now, uh, the story that you're gonna that we that we are repeating to ourselves with this meditation that we've been doing so far is we have to find some sort of conceptual way, verbal conceptual way, of relating with. The, with the, the light, with the moon. And either you stay, tell, keep con, continuing to tell yourself the moon, the moon, the moon, the moon, the moon, but it's not somehow the words the moon are somehow magical and you don't really have to contemplate what, what the words mean and somehow it will take you to some meditative state. But align yourself to what sort of concept the word the words the moon evoke within you. And if you if and if the words the moon don't do it for you, find some other some uh, other verbal conceptualization that you can repeat. Okay? Yes, eventually you will get very bored reciting just this word, these words. And also, the same thing happens when you have a whole story that you're reciting. In the beginning, oh my God, look at all this that's happening in there. Oh, wow, ooh, wow. You're very interested. You're, you're focused in it. And after a few months, well, if you're, yeah, if you're lucky, <laughs> if you're lucky after a few years, then reciting the same story over and over and over again becomes like reciting just one word over and over and over again. You get bored. Now, I will tell you something that will be very encouraging. 
when you arrive at boredom, congratulate yourself. Now I have arrived at boredom. Okay? That's the state of mind. It's, it's like the border between New Jersey and New York. And, and New York okay? Okay? That's boredom. Okay? Don't say, oh, now I'm at the border. Let me get off this bus. No. You have, you're going to cross the border. Okay? Eventually, you will cross boredom. <clears throat> but you have to continue. You have to be persistent. Eventually, the words themselves will take on a certain level of beauty. Wow. The. How cute that word is. Moon. Whoa. There's no word cuter than that. Okay? Eventually, those words will take on a level of attraction. And again, what's happening? It's the state of your mind has your mind has undergone a certain kind of change, where you you are now entering what, what is called perceiving beauty. No matter what you perceive, it's the most beautiful thing. Okay, even before it was the ugliest thing that that ever existed. But in that state of mind, when it comes into it and make contact with it, oh my God, that's the most beautiful piece pothole I've ever seen. There's no pothole that is more beautiful than this. And in fact, the pothole is the most beautiful object in the universe. Okay, That's how it will be. So the words will take on a, a beauty. And it will, it will help you uh, gather your mind, gather your thoughts, and help you to achieve what is uh, subverbal, subverbal thinking. Okay, But you will not get there if you didn't get if you didn't get bored first, okay. Now, if you immediately get bored, even just saying the words twice or three times, you're on a different level, <laughs> okay. That means you didn't even start, okay. <laughs> there has to be an initial ah uh, excitement about oh I'm gonna see the moon, the moon, the moon. He said recite the moon, the moon, the moon, the moon. I'm gonna see something wonderful. And there's at least there's this kind of a, fall, a false sense of joy because of the expectation. I'm going to see something incredible just by reciting the moon, the word moon, 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 moon a few times. Just like when you're given a mantra, a word of some phrase, a word of power, okay? Recite this mantra, and then this incredible thing will happen. And you recite the mantra, mantra, you recite, 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 because and there's some beauty to the words themselves. You have no idea what the words mean, okay? They're in Sanskrit. As a matter of fact, even in Sanskrit, they have no meaning. But they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're put together in such a, such, a, such a way, they invoke a sense of awe in you. So you're reciting the words, reciting, 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 reciting. And then after a while, nothing happens, of course. And you start to doubt, I mean, is this really, is this really words of power? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting anything. And you keep reciting anyway because you have some sense that the guy who told you these words, this, you, know, you, you believe you have faith in that guy. And eventually, you arrive at boredom. It actually aches to recite the words. And if you just stop there, then you will not get to, you, you will not get to it. Okay? So you have to make it through boredom. So now this boredom is an achievement. Okay? You arrived there. You worked hard to get to this boredom. Okay? But the first kind of boredom where we're not even interested in, in the words themselves, that's something completely different. It has nothing to do with the meditative state. Okay? It's just 
Yeah. Water. <coughs> okay. All right. So, I don't know if you've arrived at bottom yet by saying, the moon, the moon, the moon. I'm seeing the moon. I'm seeing the moon. Okay. If you, after the initial, oh, I'm gonna something wonderful is gonna happen by reciting this. After you've gone through that, and now if you've made it through boredom, congratulations. I applaud you. And I tell you to now persevere. Okay? Now gather the, the power of perseverance. Okay? And that will help you get, eventually make it across the border. And since this is uh, very much, very subjective, just like when you're dreaming, you ever had this kind of dream when you, when you see yourself running? And, you, you, and no matter how fast you run, no matter how, how long you've been running, you, you haven't really covered much of a distance. Maybe it's just me who has the kind of dreams. You ever had those kind of dreams? No, you don't have those kind of dreams? You don't have those kind of dreams? Well. <laughs> well, that's you, okay? <laughs> I don't know what else I can, what, what other kind of example I can give you. So since this border is subjective, <laughs> no, <clears throat> you could be driving and now you're at the border and you're driving, 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 then the speedometer says 65 miles per hour, but you, for some reason, can't leave the border, okay? This can be a reality in the dream world. So the boredom, even though it's a border, <laughs> it may last a few sessions. Okay? So keep persevering. All right? Now, how long will it last? It will last. This is very, this is very precise. Okay? It will last as long as it lasts. And this is, very, this is serious stuff I just told you. If you if you remind yourself of that, you will not be you will not be discouraged. How long will it last? Tell yourself that as long as it lasts, and then continue. Okay. If I told you it will last two hours, that will destroy you. <laughs> yes. Does the moon have any quality that you should consider? It's mainly the light of the moon. That's what, that's what you should be focusing on. And if you can see the light of the moon without the actual shape of the moon, that's okay. Okay? You don't necessarily have to see the... For some minds, they need a, a particular... Uh, uh, Texture. Shape. No, not that. But, but those things do something. That is like If it's a particular texture, if it's a particular shape, it will help the mind uh, not wander to some, to some other texture, to some other shape. Okay? And whatever I'm trying to say, I hope I was able to say it. <laughs> okay, that's for some mind you need a shape and a texture. Okay, because of what it helps with getting to meditative state. But if you don't need it, just just have the light appear. Okay, that will be enough. Okay. All right. Yes. So the object of the meditation is just not to uh, visualize the moon, but to change our. Perception of the mind, or to change the state of the mind? Oh no! Well, that's what's going to happen eventually. But you don't consciously tell yourself, "I'm going to change," or "I'm going to do this to my mind." Just by having the object and try to relate with the object, that will happen to your <coughs> mind. Okay. All right. Yes. What if you're not saying the words in your head? Yeah. 
then in whatever way you, you're you're most familiar with thinking, mm-hmm. you use that towards the towards the moon. Okay. Right. Ready. All right. Get ready for good old boredom. <laughs> <laughs> As you're settling, getting into your posture, I'll, I'll mention this. You will experience the boredom within a very nice state of mind. The boredom will have a particular kind of signature to it, a particular kind of, a, I would say, energy signature to it. That sounds very Star Trekky. <laughs> there will be a particular <laughs> signature of this energy, of the boredom. And then it will have a like, there'll be some sort of like a, a struggle in terms of the kind of me- the the characteristics of meditative state that you are connect- connected with and they will, and the body will sort of like be a tug of war like you will actually feel some sort of energetic uh, pull away from that state okay so your perseverance will keep you within the meditative quality okay all right so let's go can I sorry can I Ask again a question that I asked the other mm-hmm. day, but now that I'm sitting, I'm also confused. Okay. Is that for the first part of the meditation, that the preliminaries that we already did, we mm-hmm. bring a motivation mm-hmm. to our meditation. Mm-hmm. What we are doing now is just avoid this, I mean, just ignore our object or our motivation of our Oh, oh I see. No. And just put the, the moon. Or yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. No. To replace it. Yeah. Now, uh, I understand why, you, why you're saying replace it. So the word, ob- the word itself, object, here has two different meanings. Object in a sense of motivation, and also object in a, in a sense of what is it at, that your mind is running around in the, while you're doing the meditation. In this case, it's the moon. So now that's the object of the meditation. But in the beginning, when we call the object of med- meditation, that was your motivation. Why are you meditating in the first place? Okay. So the reason why you're meditating, now that's already in the background. So like it's like the I once used the analogy of a boat sailing. I forgot exactly which one I made the <laughs> the motivation. I don't, I don't know if it was the sail or the wind or the boat itself, but it's one of those things. So it's still there. And now what are you What's pushing you forward towards your destination while you're on this boat? That's the, like in this case, the moon, seeing the moon. Okay. Ready? Okay. Well, that's this is the first time I'm gonna promise you you're gonna experience something, and there's no doubt in my mind that you that you're going to experience it. Yeah. You're gonna get bored. <laughs> okay. Get ready. Okay, now try to recall the whatever sense of a meditative state you've experienced before. And just recalling it will somehow give you a sense of it, an experience of it.
So once you feel the slightest connection with meditative state, the sense of ease, the pleasant sensation, some level, some degree of one-pointedness, a sense of being able to direct your mind, and stabilize this by observing five cycles of breath. So one last time, remember your motivation, so that you can sort of start you off. Remember, have your mindfulness loose, looking at the characteristics of meditation, and as soon as you become aware of any of them, sort of anchor your consciousness in that in that characteristic. And when, for example, the tranquility becomes more enhanced, anchor yourself in the more enhanced tranquility. And you just continue with the moon, engaging, relating with the moon. Okay, begin.
be aware of the meditative state itself. <coughs> be aware of the sense of tranquility, the level of one-pointedness, whatever measure of ease and joy, and just stay with that. joy, this measure of peace that you're experiencing. Acknowledge that you did not arrive here by entertaining some affliction, either harming someone or threaten to harm someone. And you did not keep it by harming someone or threatening to harm someone. So those who are seeking this experience in some degree who are deluded with the idea that they have to harm someone to get there, harm someone to keep it. Extend your compassion to them. Extend your love to them. And when your love reaches them, when your compassion touches them, embraces them, that the power of that love, the power of that compassion, imbued with this tranquility, fill their mind with this understanding so that they can become free of that delusion. They don't need to harm someone to get to this. They don't need to harm someone to hold on to it once they get it. If there's anyone specific you can think of who need this realization, bring them to your mind and embrace them this realization and the experience of the peace infuse them. can have some sense of the merit of this meditation, or just have the conviction that there is merit in this meditation. Hold on to that and direct it by dedication, dedicating it to your ultimate goal and your immediate goal.
attention back to the breath. And through the breath, become aware of the body again, the physical body. And do it slowly, systematically, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Without a doubt, late, and it's snowing outside, so it will make it harder for you to get home or to get to your next destination on time. So we will forego the um, uh, what we what do we call that thing anyway? <laughs> that thing we do when I'm over there and you come see me. Okay. okay, and then we hope uh, weather permitting, we'll be able to do it next week. And I can't promise you anything. I'll try to start on time. <laughs> okay, thank you.